I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. If you're considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right is your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right tackles topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen and bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Welcome back to another edition of Renovation Made Right. I am David Bryan with my lovely co-host. Brenda Bryan. Hey, babe. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, We have... Oh, wait. uh, Hang on. Let's not forget our ace producer, Meryl. Meryl. The crowd goes wild. Who doesn't have a microphone, but she smiles and nods. She does. Right. Or, or glares. Or, when there, there's some glaring. There's some glaring. Yeah. All right. So we, we're going to be kicking off a couple of episodes of listener questions because we got quite a few. So we're a little backed up. So not in that way. That's a different kind of backup. <laughs> come, come on. Come Why on. do you laugh right away? But, <laughs> but you with the toilet and the backup and the, the, all the stuff. Just, just it wasn't me. You were the one who laughed. <laughs> off you go. That's because <laughs> we've been married for a really long time and I know where your head is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly right. Anyway, our first question here is very long, and um, I'm going to read it anyway because you know it well, all lo- seems long, but really good. I mean, it's a no, 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 yeah. super detailed question. Yeah, which is super helpful to yeah, us in answering good, it. It's a good case study, so I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade anybody from writing a super long email. It, it was great, but in terms of listening to this question, it's just going to take a while. So, right. you know, put your Put your hearing caps, your thinking cap, your listening cap. What do you put on? How about you just read that email? Jeez. <laughs> You're kind of a jerk. All right. Hey, Dave and Brenda. I'm a new listener to your podcast from Los Angeles. I really love how both of you are so open and transparent about the industry and that you're very willing to help others. Thank you for that because I am in need. I would love to get any advice in regards to the position my husband and I are in. We purchased a home a, half, a year and a half ago in California with the intent of our kids being able to attend the local school. The home is not in livable condition. There's a water leak and an electrical problem so we've turned everything off and fortunately are able to live in our same apartment now. We also didn't want to move in right away as we wanted to do a complete remodel. Right after our purchase, this is a year and a half ago by the way people, Yep. you know, probably yep. more than that now. Yep. Right after our purchase I went on house and found a couple design build firms that had over a hundred plus amazing reviews. We knew the home needed a lot of work when we purchased it. It's a two bedroom, two bath, 1,000 square foot home on a 4,700 square foot lot. After meeting with the, with the design build firms, one particular company stood out as being pretty vocal about their ideas, which made us feel comfortable. We briefly mentioned a budget, and they seemed to acknowledge it. Our city is notorious for taking a very long time to pull permits, six months to years. We knew once we had a design and the design build firm submitted to the city that it would take a long time to get approved. During the brainstorming phase, the design build firm designed a wonderful 1,600 square foot open floor plan with three bedrooms and two and a half baths. They said from the start that plumbing fixtures, kitchen cabinets, appliances, floors, and accessories would be a separate materials charge, which we understood. I met with the designer to pick out all these items. For the current 1,000-square-foot house, we will need to knock down two full exterior walls and two half-exterior walls, then redo the foundation and frame the house. We're really just keeping one bedroom and part of the living room intact, and we're replacing everything, roof, doors, windows, floors, etc., 
This is where I think I messed up. Again, it has been one and a half years since our home purchase and now we have finalized every detail. The plans were submitted to the city a year ago and we're still waiting for final approval. This week, the president of, of the firm sent over his proposal. To give you an idea, in the very beginning, I mentioned that our budget was 350,000 total. We received the proposal and it is over 650,000 plus another 100,000 for materials. My husband and I are shocked to say the least and don't know what to do. Our floor plan is so close, hopefully, to getting the permits pulled. We're supposedly on the last stage of approving construction waste management, and now we feel a little stupid and slightly bamboozled. We love the floor plan and do not want to change it, especially since time is also money, and we do not want to wait another year for approvals. Is it okay to take the designs created by this design-build firm and bring it to a contractor or another design-build firm for a bid? We've never experienced a remodel before, so I don't know what the proper protocol is. To be honest, I feel bad if we don't use this original firm, but it's just way out of our budget, and we don't know what's normal or not. Also, the communication must have been so off for us to have this large of a gap. The president tried to explain his pricing as we are practically building a new house. I understand there are valid reasons, but the fact is we just can't afford 800000 to remodel this house. Sorry this was such a lengthy email. I would love any fee feedback you may have. Even if chatting on the phone for 10 minutes is possible, I would be all ears. Thank you all so much for your time. Amy. All right. So uh, um, sadly, this is a super common problem. And, and um, I actually ended up uh, speaking with Amy on the phone and, uh, and chatting with her a little bit about trying to troubleshoot and give her some ideas about how she might um, pursue solutions around this. But before we get to that, I just want to just back up a little bit. And um, I think just about everything Amy was doing was made sense. It was good stuff. It, mm -hmm. Using house, I'm actually a fan of house. That's fine. Uh, you know, using well-reviewed and well-credentialed companies to begin talking about and working with mm -hmm. makes great sense. And, and, and interviewing multiple companies, all really good. So there's a bunch of stuff there that made really good sense. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I put um, the onus of this problem way more on the contractor that they sort of narrowed down to than on the homeowners, mm -hmm. right? I think the homeowners uh, did uh, much of the work that they needed to have done. And, the, you know, the, the one area that I think there was a problem that is what caused the bulk of this issue is the fact that um, the, in speaking uh, with Amy, I know that there was uh, not in the de in, a, in a design agreement that was not clarity or there was not clarity about hard numbers in the budget, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, nothing at all. It sounds like there was no, there was no, anything stipulated. Right. And so as soon as anybody has to say, whether it's the contractor or whether it's the homeowner, as soon as anybody has to use the words, well, we talked about, mm -hmm. then we got a problem, mm -hmm. right? Because we talked about is, you know, the, the, the palest ink is way better than the strongest memory, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so something in writing would have been meaningfully helpful. And I, I get frustrated when I hear a story like this because, like I said, it sounds like it's a well-credentialed firm uh, that has made lots of people happy and, and has got good reports and good reviews. But in my mind, as a design-build company, if you are running a design-build company properly, quote-unquote properly, and there isn't, there isn't a boilerplate, you rest or no on that, but mm -hmm. if you're doing it properly, you are talking money all the way through, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about what is your budget and and it, the onus is on you. It's, you know, you as the builder to come back with 
a a design plan, a, des, a design agreement that references the scope of the work that the clients are getting. It you know not necessarily in a highly detailed form, but the scope of the work they're getting. Um, maybe references to square footage, references to the quality level of things, as well as an anticipated budget, mm-hmm. right? So to have a situation where the project is more than 2x the client's intended budget um, and that that doesn't come out until you're at, you're almost at construction drawings or you're at permitting, right? that's a really, really bad situation. Right, and in just reading this letter when you're talking about removing two exterior walls and adjusting the foundation and the slide, the siding and it's the windows and the roof, is, they're right. You are rebuilding the whole house. Right. And, and the problem isn't... The problem isn't even the actual final number, which is probably pretty accurate for that marketplace. Unfortunately, right? Yes. You know, you look at the the work that's involved; it's probably not an un, uh, a number that they, you know they're not they're not sticking it to them. No. But <laughs> but they designed a project that is outside the budget that that exactly. was talked about, and nobody stipulated what that was in writing. Right, and and, and I you know and, and in fact we talked about this on the phone, and I said you know I. Candidly, it's a as you review the scope of work, it's a significant scope of work, mm-hmm. right? So it's a and I consequently expect a significant dollar sign attached to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that's not where the real issue is, right? The real issue is it was a significant scope of work from the very beginning, from the initial conversation. Right. It was significant, right? And so, if it's like that, you know, that's the time to have it. Does it does no one, not not only the clients, but it doesn't do the firm any good. Uh, to have gotten this far down the road, and present a budget that's twice, right? Right. That's a, that, and and so as as people are listening to this and thinking about their interactions with a potential contractor or their interactions on a project, I think the the meaningful takeaway is your firm. They're the experts. They're the pros. They need to be as concerned about your budget number and your capability of spend mm-hmm. as you are. Mm-hmm. If you get the least inkling that they're not dialed in on cost, or that they're maybe a little cavalier about cost, or and if you have you know a, a written agreement about what the first phase is, let's call it the first phase design. Mm-hmm. Some companies actually do this differently, by the way. Some companies will do. The first phase they'll call a feasibility study. Mm-hmm. I actually like that. That's really kind of a cool concept. I know a number of companies that use feasibility studies. And you pay a small fee. And for that small fee, they basically go a little further down what the scope of the job is all about. And then they attach more real numbers to it, right? So you come out of that feasibility study before you or they have spent a ton of money or a ton of time with clarity about, okay, now that we have a clear understanding of the project, do we want to go to the next stage? And the next stage would actually be full design, right? right? Well, the, our partner plan is kind of similar. similar. Yeah, our right. process is similar in that regard. Um, but I know that some people use um, a project development agreement uh, as uh, th- th- there's a cost to that, right? Mm-hmm. We we don't yeah. we don't engage people financially until after we've done some of that work, right? So, but it doesn't matter which way which way it goes. Bottom bottom line is getting really really good clarity about scope and and money before anybody's doing tons of drawing uh, just makes all the sense in the world. Even, now, here's the thing. I also know companies in markets just like this where the municipality has crazy permit times, mm-hmm. right? It, it, you know, in in the area we live uh, for Massachusetts, Massachusetts actually, if you if you create an application for a project in Massachusetts, the, 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 the municipality has to give you a yes or no on the permit within 30 days. 
That's right. it's as simple as that. Right. Right. Now they could reject it or, or deny it or whatever, and then you have a window of time to correct it. But it's not. You can't have a permit application languish. Right. Right. Uh, dealing with that in other in other states, a lot of companies the, the workaround is they actually sort of submit while they're still developing the project mm -hmm. so that they can actually, the clock starts right, ticking. Right, which is what has happened it's, here. It's just, right. what, just what happened here. But the problem with that is that, that they sort of leapfrogged over the the importance of the number to get to the mechanical side of getting the permit submitted mm -hmm. so the clock can keep on ticking and they can keep on developing the project. And I understand how that can happen, but I would say the biggest takeaway here is uh, is, is don't, don't let that happen to yourself. And... and Make sure that you are holding the company that you're working with. And this, by the way, is is true. We've talked about this in previous shows. It's true if you're working with an architect too. Now, the challenge with the architect is, I think you much you have a much harder time at, at having them be as dialed into renovation costs. Mm -hmm. Rightly so. Right. It's not their business, right? right? But uh, if that's the case, then getting the architect to have you you know partner with a contractor they trust, and maybe even being willing to pay a certain fee for preliminary budgeting. Right. To say, just give me order of magnitude pricing. Give me something that I can get my head around. That's really helpful. Right, right. One of the questions that you asked, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I think I was going to ask you the same thing, is should I go out to bid? Yeah, great, great. So that's exactly right. So my answer to that was you need to be clear about what you agreed to with the builder mm -hmm. or with the design build firm you started you started out with because some design build firms, the plans are their property. Some, mm -hmm. you, know, are, you, you don't actually ultimately end up owning them. Um, and they're intended for the use by that builder only. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be mindful of that, and then, and frankly, respectful, and say, "Hey, uh, you know, we're we're meaningfully disappointed by where we are, um, and I, I'm not sure I trust the numbers we're getting. Uh, so I want to take the I want to take the temperature of the marketplace, right? And at the same time, you're now going out to some other builders. Well, nobody, no builder wants to be the company that you chose to verify somebody else's number, right? right? That's, not, that's not a great spot to be. And, uh, and so consequently, once again, I would say you open up that conversation with the builder and say, I'm willing to pay you pay for, your, you for your estimating services, yep. right? Um, and here's where I am. And you just be candid about it and upfront. And I think that's exactly the, the route that, uh, that Amy's taking. Um, and and has informed the company that they're working with, mm -hmm. um, it, which I think you know, it's a, kind of a self-created problem. And uh, and I, I in the end I said the same thing you said, which was I I don't know that the, the number's out of whack. Mm -hmm. If you go out, especially for you know L.A. right? Yeah, like yeah. you think about like it's probably the most expensive place to build in the country, right. you know, outside of New York City. Yeah, it's you know, it's a big right. number. It's mm -hmm. a big number, right? And and so, but I think you go um, you. Go at that process. If you if you find two other reputable builders that you're comfortable with, the odds are not that great that their numbers are going to be night and day different. Right. Right. Now, great. So now all you've done is validate that the project that you really really want, really want you can't afford. You can't afford. Right. Right. And that's the big frustration. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now, the whole reason why you go to a design build firm is so you don't get here. Right. right. You get the budget disappointment, right? And that's part of it. Early. Yeah. Right. That's part of the, but every, every design build company's job, that's the beginning of it. Yeah. Right. Is to, <clears throat> pardon me, is to let people down. Uh, and that's kind of a bummer, right? Yep. Let people down by way of saying, you know what? Um, we can't touch the scope that you're thinking about for 350, mm -hmm. but let's talk about what we can accomplish for 350. 350, right? right. And it may not be 
you know, uh, enough to make you feel like, okay, that's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Maybe you relist the house mm -hmm. and you say, okay, we got to shift gears, but you don't get into a place where you have an uninhabitable house and half the budget. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and even if you can figure out a way to stretch to the, to the full budget, that has a meaningful impact on your personal finances. Right. Right. In well, most especially cases. because the interest rates have gone up. Yeah, hundred so percent. Last year, hundred percent, right. right? And so, yeah, and so, so most people's borrowing capacity uh, or project capacity has gone down, mm -hmm. right? In, in, mm -hmm. in lieu of that, so there's lots of stuff going on here. And I think, um, you know, I think uh, Amy and her husband uh, started the process out as well as could be expected. The problem there just is, you know, it is not the consumer's job to know how to run a design-build company. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a design build company's job. And, and I've said this in previous shows, is that you know there's a lot of scenarios where companies know that design-build is an effective model to, to bringing in work, and so people often incorporate that into, our, into their name. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily incorporate it into their DNA. Right. Sometimes uh, general contractors, who really are, are, are designed to build great projects off somebody else's plans, mm -hmm want to roll in the idea of being a design-build company because they feel like, oh, that, that's kind of the trend and that, that works really well. Well, th that's true, by the way. It is, and it, it does work well. But if you don't end up putting the infrastructure in place to provide the design-build experience and if you don't commit to a process that helps customers with, uh, with budget and helps customers with scope and has that uncomfortable conversation really early, right? then you're... And that, yeah, you got to break their hearts in the first or second meeting, not on the... You know, hundredth. That's yeah, exactly right. right? It, it, and and if if it's that far down the road, you know, it's crushing. It's crushing, right? Because to have gotten to where they got to, they had to make all kinds of choices, and they started dreaming, and they started closing mm -hmm. their eyes, and they mm -hmm. started seeing it, and they started walking through the house I in their know. mind with their it's kids. So and, depressing, right? And, I know. And and you've got the dream home, you know, in your head that you're not going to get down, you know, actually turn it into, you know, bricks and mortar. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's. Um, Hopefully, uh, others can, can benefit from that. I, I did have some follow-up uh, and that Amy's sort of moving forward to get some, getting some, some other numbers. Uh, and, uh, and I'm hopeful that, uh, that they have a, a positive outcome there. Um, and, you know, I hear bank robbery is really in the race these days. So, just <laughs> is that saying. the solution? I don't know. Go with the full budget and just yeah, yeah. And they, and, yeah. And rob a bank? Yeah, do, right. do what you need to do. Yeah, well, so I don't know. The last uh, the last bank robbery we heard about didn't work out so well. No, all, all three guys got arrested. That's true. Yeah, there was a bank robbery on Martha's Vineyard uh, yeah. this fall. I know it was and very exciting. It was pretty exciting, and they all got arrested. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if uh, better ways to go about it. Um, so, I hope that helps, and uh, and good luck to Amy and her husband, and uh, and that the project moves forward. Yeah, we really do wish you well. Yeah, hundred percent. We really do. Yeah, we and hope we, it works out. And we greatly appreciate the question, and uh, and hope it uh, hope it all goes well. So. Uh, thanks very much. All right. Dear Dave and Brenda, my wife and I have wanted to move up to a house that would work better for our family and have some nicer finishes, but the housing market was so hot that we are unable to find the house that got us excited or we found the one and we got way outbid, even if we offered asking price. Now we feel stuck. And even though the market has cooled down some, there still seems to be very little inventory available. This leads us to our fallback position of deciding to stay and make our current house into one that can, we can be happy in for a longer time. We have a few concerns. First, during the pandemic, we watched everything get more expensive. How has this impact, impacted home remodeling, and are we going to overpay for what we want? And second, interest rates have increased a lot. How do we get what we want and not overpay? Sincerely, Scott from Duxbury, Mass.
All right. So I've got a few thoughts on that. You probably have a few thoughts too. I do. All right. So first of all, thank you very much for the uh, the question. Greatly appreciate that, Scott. Um, the first is about um, it, your problem. By the way, is sort of universal. There's yeah. so many folks who have been in, who are in your situation and got squeezed out of trying to get the next house and and you know. I, I got to tell you, the people I feel most sorry for is the first time buyers. Absolutely, right now, absolutely. You know? Right. Like people that don't even have that that equity to stand on. Right. And that's another. So while you have some challenges, you also have some pretty strong benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've also ridden, uh, you know, significant appreciation right. right, during this time frame, which is awesome. Uh, and, 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 it, and it will help you, even though the interest rates are higher, it will help you to borrow money. Right. To do what and, you want. And even though the market's cooling. Uh, it's not. It's not cratering. The right. bottom is not dropping out, and people right. are not, you know, getting their 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 loans called on them and things like that. Mm -hmm. We're not. Mm -hmm. That's not the place we're in, which is great. Um, let me go to the question about construction costs, rising construction costs. So, during the pandemic, we saw meaningful increases, kind of across the board, mm -hmm. right? So, literally, just about everything got more expensive, and it's been like this trickle down thing. And and there are some of those costs that don't roll back there are some costs that do roll yeah back. it's hard you know when manufacturers increase their their costs they or their prices they really don't like cutting well, them back well so it's interesting you say that right so our flooring our, our flooring company which is a true retail environment uh is probably the place that is we, we can observe that the most mm -hmm. and during the pandemic flooring manufacturers were were knocking out price increases like it was going out of style mm -hmm. like it, it, we were getting price increases by some vendors multiple times in one month mm -hmm. right now we actually have seen believe it or not some price decreases not just a sale but literally like we're going to cross the board we're going to sell this product to you for less than we are now we were before Great. right so that's a good thing I think, and we have seen in some of the commodity type stuff, like let's call it two Lumber. by two by fours yep. and, and sheetrock, mm -hmm. which saw unprecedented pricing. A lot of that stuff's come back, mm -hmm. right? Now that's still volatile. When you have, a, you know, when you have a hurricane come through in Florida and knock out a bunch of property, plywood goes through the roof, and that. But that's mm -hmm. always been the case. But in general, we're seeing that stuff come down. Some of the stuff that we're not seeing come down, and, and you know, if if the labor force, by and large all cost more over the course of this time frame, mm -hmm. which in the field, that's true. That, mm -hmm. You know, everyone, because there was so much work going on, labor was tight and, and the, the, the demand was was higher. And so labor, for, so wages went up. It's super, super hard to yeah. roll those wages back, right? Yeah. Short of an economic correction where everybody realizes, okay, if you don't take a pay cut, the companies aren't going to survive. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I could see that happen, right? right. And... You know the electricians and the plumbers of the world. If if their copper went up or their you know their, their PEX piping went up, um, unless it rolls back, the odds are not good that the electricians and plumbers are going to roll back their pricing, right? Sure. So there there is sort of in some cases a new normal, but it's not universal. So have prices gone up? They sure have. Um, they're not where they were at the peak. They're better than where they were at the peak, and they may still continue to moderate a little bit. Uh, but we do have more expensive construction costs, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, sadly. Right. Yeah. Sadly. Now, couple that with the interest rates, and that was your other concern, is, you know, how, how do I deal with um, the fact that my interest rates have gone up so much? Yeah, it stinks, right? They they were at, like, you know, you get a home equity loan for under four for a while. Right. Um, and now they're up to seven. So that's not great. But... Um, 
but you have more equity in your home than you did. Well, probably, and, and, especially and, if you've lived in your house for over five years, right. and you have more equity. And the likelihood is that the biggest portion of your debt is already locked in at a good rate, mm-hmm. right? So, right. So you you're know, really just talking about the delta. Exactly. So, so what I think we're finding is a lot of our clients are, you know, I, I hate to use the word stuck, but I think that's kind of how you guys feel is you're stuck. Um, and so there's a lot of our clients who have that feeling, but they're stuck for two reasons now. Not only are they stuck because they couldn't ultimately find the house they wanted or mm-hmm. they couldn't compete in the market that, the, that we had, um, but they're stuck because who the hell wants to leave a primary mortgage at three and a quarter or right. three and a half percent. Right. Right. You, you immediately kind of reduce your borrowing power just to fully leave the house. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there's there. Are, now the question is, how do we make the best out of that situation? Right. right? Um, and my thinking is, like you said, Brent, um, the, the value, the cost of money. So let's say you could substantially improve the quality of what you wanted to do in your house for just round numbers, let's say it's a hundred grand, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot that can get done for a pro, for in a hundred. Are you going to add a second story addition or a massive wing to your house? You're not going no, to, right? right? But but can you make their, your house tremendous? Right? Can you do a nice fluff and buff on your bathrooms and right. get new cabinets and tops and, and your kitchen and, and finish and, your right. basement and yep. do and you know and and do and maybe you maybe the outside of your house you need to do windows. There's a bunch of stuff you can accomplish for that kind of number, and it, to to a you know, not all of it, by the way. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but, <laughs> not, not, all, not everything we just listed. Well, no, so, but to, but to. But depending on what you're doing. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's really what it gets down to. And, and to get to a place where um, you can you could be in a situation where when you walk in the house, you get that feeling that's, ah, yeah. this is great. You come home and you're happy to be in your space, right? right? And that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants that feeling of like, oh, this really feels right mm-hmm. to me, right? Um, and And so think about it this way. If you were looking for a hundred k loan today, uh, and and in most cases people's equity has risen enough, unless you were maxed out before the marketplace improvement, uh, you probably got some wiggle room in terms of equity. So mm-hmm. let's say you're able to extract a hundred thousand um, dollars out of equity out of your home, and let's say that rate's seven percent. Okay, so if you were to service that that for a 10-year loan, and you could do this a lot of different ways. You could do it with a home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. You could do with it with a straight home equity loan where you just get the chunk of money out. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but let's just let's just stick with the idea of a home equity loan. And you decided you wanted to try to pay that back on a 10-year term. You wanted to be a little aggressive about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, 100K at 7% for a 10-year loan, the payback is $1,161 a month, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying that that's a small amount of money, but but you personally know your finances and can decide whether or not there's $1,161 of room right. at the end of the month. Yeah, it's like $14,000 a year, basically. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that's one alternative. And then if you say, okay, that doesn't fly, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm willing to make this a longer-term investment for quality of life now, mm-hmm. say, okay, that same hundred grand on a 20-year note is seven seventy-five a month, right? right? Uh, so that begins to become much more approachable, mm-hmm. even with a rate that's higher, right? And so, you know, I think all these numbers obviously are, are variable. The, 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 the actual amount you need is a variable. The, the, the rates are a variable. The term is a variable. So you can control that, right? And, and if you, if you buy, purchase a home, home equity line of credit, you get to set the payback schedule, right, right. within reason. Um, and uh, so you have the ability to control how the how it impacts your budget. Um, but in the end, I think that's what you what you want to do is say. And, and I guess a lot of this, and we've talked about this on other shows, goes to sort of your your state of your your mindset around this, right? Right. 
Well, and also, and we have talked about this too. Uh, there's a there is a um, annual report that comes out cost versus value. Yes. And I would recommend it's from Remodeling Magazine. You can look it up. You can Google it. Um, Remodeling Magazine cost versus value report. And I think probably 2022 there was one in 2022. There sure was. Yep. So you can see what what projects cost, and and they also talk about return on investment. So in other words, if you invest this uh, money in your home. Will you get your money back out? So that is worth looking at as a resource. Which, by the way, just just to preface that, you're right. It's a great resource. It helps validate some stuff, but it's not really affirming because it typically shows you that, with relatively little exception, everyone loses money on remodeling projects. Yes. And what do I mean by that? Loses money. Well, right. meaning if you invest a hundred thousand and you're only going to get eighty back or something. On the like resale. That. Right. Right. Yeah. But. You know, unless you're a house flipper, which, by the way, is a question we're going to be coming up with a, with a, another listener that we got. Unless you're a house flipper, most people are not thinking about return on investment like, I have to make money on the way out of this. Right. 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 You should be thinking about that from the standpoint of your 401k or your IRA. Right. Right. But one thing that we do talk about is your ROE, which is your return on enjoyment. So, in other words, your house is not only an investment, it is the place that is home, that makes you happy, that makes you feel good when you when you come there. 100%. So you have to think about that. Like how much money are you willing to invest in your, your enjoyment as opposed to the investment? That's exactly what it gets down to, I think. And I think that, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very important piece of it. And more than that, you know, you and your spouse getting your head around not – Doing this work and getting to this place where you've invested more money into the house and you have another payment to make, and you're resentful of it, right? If mm-hmm. you can't, if you can't get your head into the place where you're excited about it and like, you know what, we're gonna, you know, we're, it's not that we're gonna make the best of a bad situation. We're gonna take this house and make it special to mm-hmm. us. And we're Lemons gonna, to lemonade, right? <laughs> and we're gonna be happy here, right? right? If you can't get there, then just suck it up and stay and don't do anything yeah. right? until until the market changes enough that you can actually make some significant changes, right? right. Right. But I hope yeah. that's not the case for you. I hope you can get your head in the right place and uh, and make it awesome. A new coat of paint can be quite a game changer. Sure can. Very low investment. Right. All right. right. That is us for today. We wish you uh, a good <laughs> afternoon. Cut this out. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't so even the, know what this, I'm this anymore. so this has been another edition of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Renovation Made Right, and uh, I want to thank you for listening. By the way, we, we appreciate the uh, the uh, questions and folks engaging, and we appreciate uh, the rise in our listenership. Yep, the uh, likes and the shares. Yeah, that's the, that's all been that's been awesome. really good stuff, and we really appreciate that. So, uh, so thanks for being with us. Uh, I am Dave Bryan, and I am Brenda Bryan. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.